All right, welcome to What Are You Frightened For 2016. My name is Louise Burns. Got something a little spookier there. Burns, watch out. And I'm Johnny Suck, and we'll be talking about films that we've seen at Fantasia in the last week, and talking about some films that are coming up. And we'll be back the next two weeks to talk about other things that come up through the festival. So we're going to start off with the first film that we saw, um, and it was a documentary, and I describe it as the primer for the festival because it was called Creature Designers, The Frankenstein Complex, and it was a documentary about the craft of making horror films. Yeah, uh, it was really interesting. Talked to all kinds of people in the industry. Uh, John Landis, Guillermo del Toro, Kevin Smith, a bunch of other people whose names... Uh, I may or may not have recognized. Not sure how probably. If you were a good uh, Fangoria reader, you might recognize a few of them. So it got into the technique in terms of how to how they made the monsters. Um, but it also, for me, was interesting because the insight I got was how um, horror films has a syllabus that is similar to like. Um, the history of either film or punk rock or any kind of history and they touched on all of the important films within that genre going back to like Lon Chaney and uh, Tex Avery cartoons and Gremlins and the Jurassic Park series so for people who love horror films and are nostalgic about it it was one really great to see the mechanics behind it uh, how they operated it, how many people had to work on one little creature. Yeah, it was funny sometimes uh, showing people behind the scenes on a set and they're just sitting around, but then they have this huge alien body on them and explaining that, uh, you know, for the scene you have eight people controlling the different arms of the creature or and the, I, the biggest takeaway from that film as well was lamenting the physicality of the craft, how it has now become so CGI. And some of the uh, old school craftsmen were like devastated by that transition and others have embraced it more. In the 80s, early 90s, all the way into the mid 90s, all of us, we were, we're almost like rock stars. You know, slowly it kind of as the makeup masters went away, and now, of course, they've been replaced by animators. But it's very important that younger generation picks it up and keeps going forward with it. But it was a good, um, I say, primer for the festival because it made me more conscious of the, of what is going into making the uh, the visual effects that we see, and also more sensitive to the difference between um, actors interacting with actually a. Um, animatronic, blobby, goopy uh, creature that is actually in front of them versus something that is put in by, uh, you know, digital craftsmen after the fact. Yeah, one interesting point that was brought up in the documentary was talking about old Godzilla films where even if you know it's a guy in a big suit, he's still destroying something, you know, a model building, and there's still the act of destruction there which can be a lot more powerful than seeing something that's computer generated, even if the destruction looks, you know, much more uh, intense and fantastical. Right. It's not actually something being destroyed. Yeah. And so you lose some of the intensity. Yeah. Even if it looks way better, it doesn't, it's not as real. Yeah. They said something like just because you can have a 
15 spiders uh, like racing on the ceiling doesn't mean that you should and I absolutely agreed that there is something more menacing it's just like this simple thing that we used to say about um, it's almost scarier before the monster gets on the screen like the anticipation where is it um, the music that's used to creep you out and now with CGI everything is on the screen and it is um, we're all marveling at kind of like how spectacular the visual effects are, but we're not actually frightened by them because we know more conscious of the fact that they're fake. Yeah, that's a very good point. So one thing about Creature Designers that really showed this history and it's one chronologically, and I think that's a bit of a theme in some of the movies that we've seen in terms of like throwing back to older times, for yeah. example. Uh, for example, um, how about the love witch? What a segue. Witchcraft is just a way of concentrating energy. You can only work with what's already there. I just use sex magic to create love magic. I mean, the other thing that's kind of interesting that I was commenting when we were watching that document, the first documentary was the lack of women. And then, um, just by coincidence, the films that I ended up seeing, um, actually either were directed by women or had predominantly a female protagonist so that was kind of interesting in this one the love witch is by anna biller and it is um evokes the 60s kind of uh era of um like rosemary's baby or uh lesbo vampiro or like an italian uh, horror film so it has a really really strong aesthetic um, the director also composes the music, does all the editing, does all the costumes and all the art direction. So it's really a very particular vision. And um, all the characters look like dolls, like Ken and Barbie dolls. Um, she's the love witch who's the main character who's running away from San Francisco where there is a, a subculture of witches which are accepted, sort of, but she clearly is running away from having um, killed somebody and gotten away with the crime. She has her own kind of like uh, narcissistic and very demented um, justification of it. Uh, basically, her um, she uses uh, her witchiness to lure men and is saying that she what she wants is love. And then when she sort of and she herself is somewhat of a Stepford wife, a kind of idealized person, um, Barbie doll ish. But when there's a crack in that veneer, like whether the, the when the male person actually is either um, becomes dependent on her or shows signs of weakness, she can't tolerate it, and so she kills them. Um, the plot is le is is um, less important to the visual. The visual is the stronger kind of statement. And one of the things that I thought was interesting about it was uh, last year we talked a lot about time travel, and this film sort of is a new twist on time travel in a way because it's it's not only traveling to an era it's a traveling to a, a genre like the it, you know bewitched of the 60s or it very much seems like um a, a, a non-realistic it's not like actually like trying to be like the 60s but it is um, almost borderline parody of that aesthetic and of the way that people communicated it and the morality of that time. That's tough sometimes to see it. When is it an homage? When is it just copying? When is it being inspired? And so yeah, where to like 
fall exactly? I think like, it, it did all of those things. It, and also was tongue in cheek, like very self-referential and very sort of conscious of the fact that it is, is being exaggerated. You're not actually um, ever expected to uh, feel any empathy or any kind of uh, reality. Um, also, I'd just like to quickly mention that it was, there was a short that opened it called Building 108 by uh, Rick Trembles, who is a motion picture purgatory and is um, part of the American Devices. And the music is, uh, he's been doing a bunch of these animations, sometimes a web series, and it also is got a really, really strong aesthetic. It is, um, it evoked cartoons, like Saturday morning cartoons that many people are nostalgic about, which means that it's not just strictly animation. It has a sense of goofy silliness. The, the drummer is a ghost who is a frady cat who hides in his coffin. And it's just got that kind of zany kind of uh, um, uh, tongue-in-cheek, like love for animation and, and for the old cartoon series. You know if Rick's uh, video is available anywhere? No, he's going to do a festival tour of it, so he's not. There's a trailer online that people can check out. Next is In a Valley of Violence. Oh, we're going to time travel that way. Yeah, so that was a pretty interesting film. It's going to get a big, re big release later in the fall, I'm sure. Starring Ethan Hawke and John Travolta. It's a very Tarantino-esque kind of western directed by Ty West, who's had some films at Fantasia in the past. And yeah, what do you think of it? Um, I liked it a lot. Uh, again, it was similar to The Love Witch in that it was one of these genre time travelers. So we're back into the spaghetti western, but conscious of um, making this almost borderline, you know, making fun of the spaghetti western. The dialogue is really um, scripted to be uh, very on point um, you know there's no kind of pathos like um, John Travolta is always sort of like the uh, negotiator of everything and is um, like well I understand why you might feel that way meaning why you might want to kill my son um, so there's no like like emotion or hysteria about it it's all very um, like a chess game kind of trying to figure it out it's also very much um, drive into town on a horse one town, one one almost very artificial looking set. But it didn't feel like that much, to me it didn't feel like a throwback movie that much, like it felt modern, like a modern western. It wasn't just trying to copy an older style necessarily. Mm -hmm. Even though it was in that genre, but it was its own thing. Yeah, and it also embraced the horror genre, which uh, meant that it was a willing to go the extra mile to do things that would perhaps surprise you or to um, uh, make a pretty standard formula, which is like the, basically revenge. Um, and you know, likely that all the people who are, he's out to get, he's going to get in one way or another, but still create a lot of surprise and a lot of humor. So that, I think the humor is what made it feel the most modern. Yeah. Um, it's funny as time with a story, to me, it seemed very much like Rambo First Blood, where it's like ex-military going through a small town, gets in trouble with the authorities, doesn't want trouble, but they force the trouble on him, and then all hell breaks loose. Mm -hmm. And one of the other um, themes that I uh, was reflecting upon with the um, Love Witch was similar in this one because it is basically that love will kill you. 
or or about being um, completely losing yourself once you've fallen in love, you've lost all con- like all control, you become a victim. All right, so that's in a valley of violence, and yeah, keep your eyes uh, open for it. It'll definitely, you know, play at places like the AMC and Cinema Park sometime in October. So the next film, which you uh, might have trouble seeing, is The Unseen, <laughs> which is about a man who's slowly going invisible, is a medical condition that's causing himself to disappear. And, you know, that kind of film, you know, sounds like it could be a horror film or science fiction film. But this one was more of a family drama, which was interesting. And the director spoke about it afterwards. Um, his name is Jeff Red- Redknapp. And it was his first film. And he has a background in visual effects. And he wanted to, you know, use his visual effects, but didn't want to make the movie about that. So it really went in a family drama, father-daughter story. And then use the effects as, uh, you know, a, more in the background. And so it was a pretty interesting film. It's playing again Friday at 12.45. And it was the world premiere the other day at Fantasia. And so, you know, this is, uh, I guess, the second screening ever. will be on a Friday. And, yeah, people can check that out. Um, but, yeah, it's not a horror film. It's not... Because, uh, as you mentioned before you said that the way that they showed him getting invisible was that he just would cover it up with more clothes so you didn't actually see it yeah there there was parts where you would see it but it's usually because he's trying to hide it from everyone else mm-hmm. so he's being seen he's just you know all wrapped up in but he ain't happy or... about it it's not like a secret power that he can go and suddenly do all these wonderful things no <laughs> and yeah interesting film uh, that takes a different approach to that kind of subject. Um, okay, so I'm going to end with a documentary. Uh, it's always interesting to see documentaries at uh, Fantasia. This one's called Beware the Slender Man, and it is about uh, two 12-year-old girls who um, stab, like, uh, stab not to death. The the, the third the person the, the other friend survives. Um, this happened in May 2014 in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Um, the case is still uh, being uh, at in the courts. Um, at the end of this documentary, you discover that they decide to try them as adults. Um, these two girls do this because they are believe that they are the proxies of a creature called the Slender Man, who is a website meme that uh, there was basically started in 2009 as a Photoshop exercise. And the idea is that you see this very tall, slender, long-armed man, and he's there sort of as the boogeyman, as a menace, but he also kind of protects young children. And so the documentary, uh, a large part of it, is the interrogation room uh, footage of the two individual girls. Um, one thing that is really striking is how completely honest they are. They have no defense or no, you don't get any sense of lying because they're um, speaking what they actually believe, which is that they were compelled to do this because if they did not do this, the Slender Man would go and kill all their families. And the idea is after they 
committed this crime, they were supposed to walk into the forest to go to the Slenderman camp, which, you know, the, the, everything about it is like, what? Is this something that was completely made up in their head, or was it some other influence of someone sending the messages as a Slenderman, or a myth of the Slenderman telling you to do this? Well, there's a wiki that they were part of. They also, like, scoured the internet for all the content that is about this, and a lot of it is, like, 11 and 12 year olds talking to another 11 12 year olds about what scares them like videos and oh my god and then this happens so you could just see the fervor of the imagination and uh, it wasn't it didn't have that kind of um you know some pervy adult in the background kind of masterminding all of this it really felt like the kind of unbridled imagination and fears and unsupervised children and the parents there's a lot of interview with the parents and um, they blame their iPad a lot on it. Their child, they, they had no inclination of any of this. Um, they also, the documentary also interviews a lot of experts, which is really interesting, and talks about like the most important thing for that particular age is to not be alone and not to be isolated. Um, 11 to 12 year olds are really crying for identification and acceptance with each other and one of the girls was you know socially isolated quite a bit and the other one you discover is schizophrenic so again the the seed of it is mental illness uh, which is why the why they were so vulnerable but the thing that's really surprising is not only are they vulnerable but they're able to persuade other people and completely believe it and but they're vulnerable to this idea that yeah. has no um, has no goal, has right. no motivation. It's just right. this idea of a Slenderman and they right. just fall for it. Right. And then take this action. It could have been something else. And uh, so another point about it, I mean, it also reminded uh, me and somebody else mentioned the Peter Jackson's Heavenly Creatures. I don't know, it's a fiction film. But it, again, it's about diabolical, you know, uh, young people and, and largely getting there not by such a grandiose leap of like it, it seems incredible that somebody would go to the extreme of like um, of putting a knife in uh, somebody whom they considered to be their friend but they work themselves up into such a fervor which is sort of like what they talked about with witchcraft so there's a little tie-in on the witch movie um, to actually think that this is uh, what they were compelled and had to do to protect their families. And so the other point about it in terms of um, modern child raising is that how little we know about the interior lives of our children, especially when they have the internet to like fuel whatever fantasy they have on and set them off in all sorts of different directions. It's really sad. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of real though. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, real life, you know, crazier than, and scarier than fiction. Yeah. True that. But next week. Yeah, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week. You frightened. Yes, I'm nearly.